0: to a review episode of sorts of the Total Soccer Show. My name is Taylor Rockwell. Joining me to help me make sense of one of the worst movies, if not the worst movie I've ever seen, is a man who's not afraid of mud, uh, even if he's not allowed to go outside. It's Ryan Bailey. Hello, Ryan.
1: Hello, Tay-Tay. What a joyous Monday I find you on because we've both been bathing in the gloriousness of United Passions.
0: Oh, I mean, I, I appreciate your hyperbole. I can't I don't even know if I can get up to that level. I have <laughs> listened to movie review podcasts before in which the hosts complained about the length of the movie and how like I kept checking to see how much was left and I was only twenty minutes in. I have never had that experience. If I'm in a movie I'm just sort of into it until it's over. This was the first time that I kept pausing and being like, There is an hour left of this? <laughs> how is that possible? It it just kept going. Oh, the movie with no story that keeps on
1: going. (laughs) Wonderful stuff. So I'll start by saying this is is a bad movie. United Passions, for those who aren't aware, is the um, FIFA-funded movie that came out in 2015, June 2015, um, and basically tells the story of FIFA from its inception to its glorious Mm -hmm. uh, unveiling of the 2010 World Cup in South Africa, because what a climax that was for the FIFA story. Um, And it's bad. And let's start off, Taylor, by saying, what are your previous worst movies you've ever seen? I've got two candidates. One is a Robert De Niro movie called What Just Happened, which I looked up, came came out in 2009. It was about him being a movie producer, and it's the only movie to date that I've walked out of the theatre before it ended because it was so, so bad. Uh, The other one I'd say is Transformers 2, or any of the Transformers thereafter, which I think is something you've brought up on social media as well because they are just... Absolute Michael Bay, awful garbage. Where do you rank this in that kind of pantheon?
0: Uh, it, it's up there for me. My, my two, my two least favorite movies. I, like, well, I don't know. I've got a lot of least favorite movies, probably, but Transformers Two. I think that's the fallen one. Like that one is the one where the they jump the around family. and geography is meaningless and they don't explain stuff and suddenly it's night and suddenly it's day and it's just a, it's just a mess and it kinda like hurts my head. There's a great joke in The Good Place, which I've been rewatching about like uh in the bad place they have smells that are very distinct. Uh one of which is it makes you smell like a Transformers movie and a character later says, Why do you smell loud and confusing? That's what I think <laughs> of when I think of the Transformers. The only other movie that I've like genuinely not enjoyed but for very specific reasons was The Last King of Scotland and it's only because I had the most vicious food poisoning I've ever had in my life and I was like starting to feel a tiny bit better and I was like maybe maybe I can handle watching a little bit of TV and I turned on the TV and whatever channel it was on it went right to like one of the characters being tortured and I was just like nope and went to the bathroom and threw up immediately so I have very negative memories of that Uh, so I guess at least United Passions didn't make me like projectile vomit that's a positive
1: well that is a positive we did watch this movie separately but we watched it over the weekend and uh we, we've been comparing notes on this so let's start off sure. Tata, with the story of the movie and i'll quote here from i believe what is the press release Please. of the movie it is in a world no it's not that it's an epic untold story that begins the life that brings i'm gonna start that again it's an epic untold story that brings <laughs> to life the inspiring saga of the world cup and the three men determined to to create it. What? Doesn't even make sense. So basically it starts off in 1905 and the English Football Federation, who, by the way, we know are evil because all English people are evil. We'll get Literally
0: wearing a monocle. Literally wearing a monocle.
1: <laughs> and a really tall top hat. Also that. Um, uh, the, the, the English Football Federation reject to join this horrible, oh, this awful continental international governing body for soccer. So Robert Guerin forms mm-hmm. FIFA. He makes himself the first president because, you know, that's the sort of uh, b- <laughs> democracy that characterizes. Uh, Itself yeah. on through this organisation. <laughs> then we get to the uh, Georges Ramey era. Uh, Georges Ramey, played by Gerard Depardieu, who's actually quite mm-hmm. a good actor. Who um, we'll get to the acting later as well. Yeah. In this, he, he uh, formulates the first World Cup in 1930 in Uruguay. Then we get to the Jo Havalange era. Jo Havilange, um, uh, a fever president, who's played by Sam Neill. We'll get to his acting later. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, we go through that period of time. Then we conveniently skip about 13 years of Sir Stanley yep. Rouse's uh, uh, <laughs> stewardship of FIFA because he's English and therefore evil. And of we course. get to Set Blatter. The final whole third of the movie is this Set blatter in Set Blatter uh, played by Tim Roth, We'll get to the acting later on that one. Um, he sees, and I quote, an organisation in financial disarray, and he works to find sponsors. The final third of this movie is Set Blatter having mo- uh, uh, organisational meetings with sponsors. It's wonderful, and the climax is the uh, sort of the, the reveal of the 2010 World Cup in South Africa. I'm exhausted talking about it. I yeah. just spent one minute describing the storyline.
0: It feels there's um Dave Chappelle in one of his most recent specials has a whole like like bit about how he just writes punchlines and like throws them into a fishbowl and then he'll pull one out and try to write a joke around it. And like if you told me that a bunch of different people at FIFA threw ideas for what this movie should be into a bowl and then they just randomly drew 10 of them and put them into the plot of the movie and that was it, I would believe you because it was like we should have random kids playing soccer. We should have a thing about Adidas being the official ball. What about Coca-Cola being a sponsor? what about like 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 the influx of different countries like it's just it was so many random ideas thrown together that seemed to be sort of hashed together into some semblance of a plot but not really and then mostly it was just united by we need a villain and therefore the english are always the villains in every scene no matter what
1: Aye, aye, aye yeah we can get to all that fun again mm-hmm. should we kick off with just some some perspective around this movie today? sure Take the financials and the production of this Frederick I appreciate
0: Ryan is keeping us on track here because he's very aware that I will go off on a rant about this at any given moment
1: oh it's, this is going to descend into madness very shortly but let's try and get some <laughs> some facts out here um Frederick Orbertine is a French director uh, according to IMDB he's only directed nine movies this was his last he hasn't directed one since so make of that what you will mm-hmm. uh, this movie made uh, in the US nine hundred and eighty eighteen uh, dollars from ten cinemas on its opening weekend it surely you mean nine hundred
0: and eighteen million right nine hundred
1: and eighteen nine one eight <laughs> just those uh, an average of ninety two dollars per screen before it was pulled mm-hmm. it 's officially the uh, the worst performing movie in u s box office history. It's it made title. just three hundred and nineteen dollars on its opening day. There was a movie theater in Phoenix in downtown Phoenix where they got a gross of nine dollars that 's one ticket Tate It person sure is. Seen. Uh, it cost between 25 and 32 million because eh, that's a big enough bracket to uh to uh, describe how much a movie costs from FIFA that's more than the annual turnover of many FIFA national associations yep. it lost million worldwide.
0: And not surprisingly, uh, I think I saw it reported in pounds, but at the time I think the budget was 19 million pounds. FIFA Mm -hmm. financed 17 million. Uh, So I don't know what the conversion would be in dollars, but yeah, FIFA definitely with a strong hand in terms of the finances and maybe also the scripting and plot and story arc and narrative and characters.
1: Who on earth put up that extra $2 Who was that? (laughs) <laughs> Who did
0: that? It's, I I actually meant to. I ran out of time. I wanted to Google all of the production companies and just see which of them was like an obvious Russian money laundering front or something like that. Because I know there is some level of financial irregularity in this movie. I that's where I'm operating right now is that this exists as a way to like hide money in shell corporations and money laundering the way the like the mafia and organized crime used like the recording industry and cinema in the 50s and 60s and 70s.
1: Well. Funny you say that because the movie actually made one hundred and fifty-eight thousand dollars in Russia. There we go. It did very well in Russia. What coincidence?
0: What mm, coincidence? Of course.
1: So the script was written over a period of four months. They took four months to put this together. Four,
0: <laughs> four months. months. The original
1: title suggestions for the film were Men of Legend, sure, and The Dream Makers. Yeah. Let's have a reminder here. This is a movie about executives. It really men is. sitting in offices, having meetings. There's very little actual soccer in this movie.
0: I remember hearing about... Like, Moneyball the book, and how they were optioning that into a movie. And it was going to be written by Aaron Sorkin and David Fincher directing. And I remember thinking, like, that sounds interesting. But how is that a movie similar to Facebook? Same thing. And in the end, both of those are very good movies. This feels like they kind of saw those and thought we could do that, too. But rather than honing in on one specific thing or one specific idea, we'll just tell a docudrama history. And and really, if your question is, like, how did they do that or what is the narrative? Your answer is they didn't. <laughs> that is my summary of this plot.
1: Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um. So apparently, uh, according to the notes here, Seth Blatter had a lot of involvement in his yes. character. mm mm-hmm. Would you describe character as a word of what Tim Roth put on screen there? I'm not convinced. Because- no, but
0: su- sulking teenager is what I would go with. Yeah, evidently Roth wanted to play him much darker, more conflicted, and sort of showing like what, like what his mental state was. Because it's worth remembering, I kind of completely forgot this, that I assumed this movie came out as sort of a reaction to the allegations of corruption and the eventual indictments and arrests, not realizing that, nope, uh, this premiered a couple weeks after that happened. This This movie was just made to glorify FIFA, I guess. But I I just kept having this idea of like, oh, they're alluding to it and they're kind of and like I came away from it thinking like, oh, they're just trying to show that there was always corruption. It's always been a corrupt organization. So it's not that big of a deal that it's happening now. Like, I kind of thought that's the narrative they were spinning. And I think maybe Tim Roth did, too. He was evidently told he could not play it that way. He got notes from both Setbladder and the director about what he needed to be doing. Uh, He said afterward, "Uh, I apologize. I didn't question the director. I didn't question the script this is a role that will have my father turning in his grave. He basically Ooh. came out on a Reddit AMA and said, like, basically, I was trying to put my kids through college. They were both going to expensive universities. This allowed me to do it, so I don't regret it for my, for my family. I do regret it from an acting perspective. And, like, basically, it was a terrible experience for, like, a year of my life.
1: So Tim Roth is a good actor. We can he agree is. on that, right, tay But in this movie, would you describe what he is doing as good acting? No matter what notes he's had from Set Blatter... He just sort of, he talks at half the volume of mm-hmm. every other character and doesn't show any emotion whatsoever. If if this movie is intended to show that there was little, there was some corruption going on in FIFA, it's everyone else was corrupt, Zhao Havlant was corrupt, but Seth Blatter was a you know he was a he had a heart of gold he was doing everything he could to battle against this corruption which as you say this came out uh, within within weeks of the 2015 fifa corruption scandal when all the uh, executives were hurried out of that swiss hotel under big white sheets yikes um yep. and, uh, and and but tim ross performance here he just sort of mumbles everything and one of the things i want to get to in, in this in this review i put in uh, in, in quotes his accent mm-hmm. he just he kind of does a little bit of swiss french yep then it just gives up and goes straight English for yep. the rest of it. Doesn't even try.
0: Yeah, I mean I mean Sam Neal in a similar boat. Sam Neil was like clearly filming Peaky Blinders at yes, the same time yes. as this and was just like, I'm doing the same Belfast accent. I will occasionally add in maybe a slight Brazilian inflection, but that is the most I will concede in terms of playing João Havalange, a Brazilian.
1: Yeah. He's exactly, exactly. So Sam Neal is Brazilian, like... So. Uh, uh, Seth Blatter, I think I want you to overtake me as FIFA president. Overtake me?
0: That's so what it was. That's, like, straight up what it was. (laughs) It's just like, is he also Irish in this? Yeah. And your point about Roth... I thought it was fascinating that like the only times he smiles there's like the Christmas scene when he's with his family spoiler alert uh, he was not married he was divorced at that time so was not <laughs> happily with his family but second of all uh, the only other time you see him smile is after there's the weird conversation in which How ha- Joe Havelange basically says that he thinks he is God and it's this mm. sort of like it it's meant uh, it plays in that moment as this like oh this is the sign that this character has become like corrupt they fully believe in themselves so much so that they now think they're a Now comes the downfall, and instead what comes is an incredibly happy, peppy montage as we go through the 80s and 90s of World Cup success and everything's going great and we're building stadiums and we're smiling and laughing, and it culminates in the 94 World Cup when Zhao Haviland steps down. And adds, but like, don't investigate me and I want to retire with honors and leave me alone. And it's just this weird, like, oh, so we just breezed through 20 years of corruption, but we're supposed to understand that Seth Blatter was upset about it. Cool, 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 cool. S- super,
1: super fun montage. And then, listen, chap, I want a clean break from this. I want to retire in peace. Okay. And then and then Blatter, who's supposed to be this hero, yeah. he just sort of nods and agrees with everything that Haviland says. He- Haviland is super corrupt. It's clear. He's like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. And then later on in the film, Blatter is this bastion of protecting against corruption and like let's get to tell you what why don't we start looking at going through this scene by scene from the start should we do that Taylor? we
0: can but i have to i have to respond to one thing you said because it stood out so much to me do you play like uh have you played fifa 20 or any of the recent fifa games I have not. So there, it's, it's basically this whole movie feels like what some people will put on YouTube of like the cutscenes in video games with a little bit of the action spliced together. People do it with like the Batman series all the time. You can sort of condense all the cutscenes with a little bit of in-game action and it, and it looks like a movie. Like it has the narrative structure of a movie with all that. So that's what this looks like to the point where there's moments in the new FIFA when you're being interviewed in press conferences and okay. your avatar is just like nodding along as the question is being asked even though it's not, doesn't look like a human at all that's what all of these interactions look like it looks like video game cutscenes in which the like the animation is happening and then the dialogue occurs and it's mm. just so weirdly stilted and out of sync i found it fascinating so i'm excited to go scene by scene i'm excited to talk about some of the more uh ridiculous absurd memory memory inducing moments
1: definitely and i think you've, you've nailed something there about like whoever wrote this screenplay in four months i can't believe it took you four months on the back of a napkin yeah It it sounds like a press release. It's like, all of the the speeches they do are really on the nose and utter garbage. I love football and I believe that our federation is the only one that can get this done. It sounds like, oh, come on, man. That's not how humans speak, basically.
0: We are FIFA. We must do the right thing. (laughs) It's just like, okay, cool, cool, cool.
1: So anyway, mm-hmm. let's go from the start here. This, by the way, this is uh, this is described as the FIFA origin story. Mm-hmm. I was disappointed this didn't inspire the uh, the FIFA universe or the FU. It did feel like an FU watching this movie, <laughs> but it didn't inspire the FU.
0: I actually, um, it's funny you say that. It it felt. A little bit like they saw, like, the, all the Easter eggs in Marvel movies. I'm like, oh, we can do that. So we'll just have random characters thrown in for a half second so we know, like, oh, yeah, Coca Cola became a sponsor. Like, oh, yeah, that guy was there. It's a lot of weird, like, in universe moments that don't seem to be there for any other reason aside from, like, their grandkid paid a hundred bucks. Hey, everybody. Much more still to come from Ryan and I discussing United Passions. Again, the worst movie I've ever seen. I needed a break from discussing it just to, like, cool off, to calm down. Uh, And so to do that, I'm going to talk about today's sponsor, DoorDash. DoorDash brings all of America's favorite flavors uh, right to your door. Ordering is easy. You open the DoorDash app. You choose what you want to eat. Your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Uh, But it's not just sort of fast food, cheap stuff if you're not really used to it. It's basically all of your favorite restaurants... are more than likely available on DoorDash. Uh, there are over 310,000 restaurant partners in 4,000 cities, so you've probably got some options there. You've got a lot of variety. Uh, with door-to-door delivery in all 50 U.S. states, Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can order from your local go-to's or choose from favorite restaurants. If you do want to go with like the kind of more comfort, familiar food of, say, Chipotle or Wendy's or something like that, they've got you covered there as well. With DoorDash, you will never have to worry about your next meal. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of 50 $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code TSS. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code TSS. Don't forget, that's code TSS for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Thank you very much to DoorDash for sponsoring today's episode. Now back to me and Ryan talking about a bad movie. So
1: so we open the movie mm-hmm. after a screen card that tells you it's a selection for the Cannes Film Festival. No. Is, is there a different <laughs> that... Cannes Film Festival for bad movies? Because I, I, I don't know how that, that
0: slide got into this movie at the very start. I didn't know that was a thing. You that that, was there. you physically, like, I, uh, I just inhaled like I was punched in the stomach when you said that. <laughs> Oh, my God. All right. Sorry, I'll stop distracting us. Go ahead. The beginning.
1: So that was a thing that happened. And then we opened with sort of a street game happening between these kids in uh-huh. modern times. Mm-hmm. And it's a very sort of diverse group of kids. There's a girl in there as well. And it's like this device of flashing back and forth between this game where these kids are playing. For no reason whatsoever. Mm -mm. Because there's no sort of narrative arc to this story whatsoever. They just occasionally cut forward to these kids playing and sort of neighbours looking out of their windows approvingly at these small children playing soccer. Why was that that a thing in this movie, Taylor?
0: So I... For a moment, I thought that was actually going to be a really interesting thing. I thought it was just going to be kids, very like uh, multi-ethnic, as you said. There's there's the one girl who keeps getting scored on, and then you just like at the end she dribbles through the entire team and scores, and she wins. Hooray! Spoiler alert. I'm sorry for spoiling the uh, the amateur pickup game. She was very
1: selfish in that move, by the way. It was loads of open passes.
0: It was. It was also, once again, we have a recurring theme of uh, movies don't know how to depict goalkeeping. Uh, you can <laughs> never have a goalkeeper actually look like a goalkeeper when they're trying to save a shot. Uh, but that aside, I thought it was going to be really interesting. And it could have been interesting because there's no dialogue, at least in the first like half of those scenes. It's just kids playing soccer. And if you had just shown me... Like kids don't you don't even need to speak the same language. You don't even need to be from the same backgrounds. Just go out, you've got a ball, and you can play. I didn't need the adults smiling and cheering and the the mechanics stopping to watch. Like that like you could have just shown me kids playing as a way to remind us, like, the simplicity of the game and what yeah. it represents and why it's so important to humanity. And really it just feels like at the end they're shoehorning in, like, ah, and women's soccer. We helped with women's soccer, sort of.
1: Yeah, that was very, very shoehorned in. (laughs) Now, after sort of a minute or two of this at the start of the movie, these kids playing uh, on the street, I'm sitting there thinking come on, guys, I really want to get to the men in suits talking about soccer administration around a table. Yeah, and thankfully, that's the, uh, that's the next scene we get where they are trying to form FIFA. And then they go and sort of find the extremely xenophobic English gentleman at an English game and ask them if they uh, if they want to join. And uh, I think one of the characters, the English character, is a guy called Frederick Wall, who's sort of really distracted by the game he's mm-hmm. watching. He's shouting things like, Tally-ho, chaps, oh. we're down a goal.
0: Amazingly, and, uh, you've combined two characters there because you're right, one of them is Frederick Wall. The other one... One is Lord Kinnaird which is fascinating uh, yes. and amazing because that is the protagonist or I assume protagonist one of the main characters of the English game there the Netflix go. series that just came out yeah. so seeing him portrayed as this like sympathetic aristocratic man who's tortured and conflicted by his past and then there's this version of like monocle and beard and top hat screaming about like foreign frogs it was just like oh, okay
1: what, what did I see we're going foreign frogs want yeah they want to run football in place of us pa. <laughs> and, then, and then there's a line that said and um, <laughs> there's a line that says, There's much more, there's things much more important than life or death. Our boys are 2 0 down at half time. No. Which is t- directly taking a Bill Shankly quote and yep. sort of <laughs> anachronistically putting it back to. Uh, and Making it worse at the same yeah, time. Making it much worse. And then once the uh, sort of FIFA guys go away and they say, We're going to run this, we're going to make this FIFA thing anyway. And the quote, which I looked up and went back and said it, it said, That will knock the Brits on their English asses. Mm-hmm. That will knock the Brits on their English asses. <sighs> yes.
0: Scots didn't love that. Uh, <laughs> but I, what does I- it mean. That scene was also uh, phenomenal because we have the first president of FIFA appointed because he was the least drunk, and we have another guy who raises his hand about, like, I think he's like, do we need a a treasurer? And they're like, it's you now. And it's like, oh, it's good to see that they just willy-nilly handed out positions for the entirety of this organization. It was always just sort of cronyism and whoever was around, whoever was friends with the president, got to have the cushy jobs.
1: Start as I mean to go on. I'm a random Dutch guy, can I be your treasurer? Sure, it's you now. Ha ha, let's drink some more. And then (laughs) then we
0: Cut to um, the Jules Romay era. It is amazing to me that we're not just jumping through this like we, we are giving it the amount of detail that they did. As in, now we just jump to the Jules Romay era.
1: Oh, before we do that, we have one of those cut. Cart- uh, have you noticed in the sort of the production, the direction here? There's one of those cartoons sort of fading to black, mm-hmm. where it, sort of, it goes in a circle like an old Bugs Bunny cartoon. I was like, oh, is yeah. this what we're in for? Oh boy! Then it sort of cuts to yeah, mm-hmm. going to Jules Romay, uh, Jules Rame played by Gerard Depardieu, and we go to a Euro- a, Urugu- a Uruguayan Olympics press conference in which Jules Romay, uh, depodu thereof, just interrupts it constantly and sort mm-hmm. of astonished men in Monocle to turn around occasionally, but it's like, this is okay. This is a, a, a press conference held by a different organization, but you can constantly shout out about how they're not looking after the game well enough because you want to start your own competition to rival them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and here's the thing. That, like, this is what I was saying earlier with, like, the money ball thing. Like, if you take... Any of these individual scenes and made them into a movie. I genuinely think you could make really interesting movies. You could have like a, a FIFA cinematic universe because in this moment, I think what's happening there is historically Reme and the gentleman who like founded the Olympics. Uh, feuded a lot because they wanted like supremacy of the sports they wanted their organization to be the dominant one and so what you're seeing there is that rivalry of he's basically criticizing the Olympics for not having the best teams involved and there was that rivalry and you could have had this whole like the m- machinations and the mechanics of how do you like beat this other organization to organize this event that brings the world together and instead it just sort of like happens in five minutes with a bunch of cutscenes scenes and like very shoehorned in characters being introduced and then suddenly we're at the 19 19- Fifty World Cup with a bunch of CGI.
1: <laughs> We've jumped over the 1930 and everything. Yeah, just straight to nineteen fifty. It's got. Oh, yes. before. Before we got to nineteen fifty, we did have a scene where we established that Nazis are bad, but not as bad as oh my, English people,
0: right? Oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, I mean, first of all, like I get, I get what you're trying to do. And Jules Ramey, uh, to his credit, had like he, uh, his club that he founded, Red Star, uh, were founded on the belief of like you couldn't uh, discriminate based on like ethnic background or race. Like it had, you had to be sort of like like you were supposed to represent like ideals of humanity. He is like that is true. But the way they have him as this sort of all-knowing being, the only person in this movie who knows more than Jules Ramey is his daughter, and that is the other thing that I. Watch with my wife. We both... I wouldn't say offensive, but I found so frustrating is that it, it again does that thing of if we make the woman know everything, then we're being feminist and like we're being like gender equality, and it's just like, no, you're just making a woman who knows everything. Like you're making this completely unrealistic character who only exists to show how bad other people are, specifically the English. Yeah. I found I found that whole thing very strange, especially because if you read stuff about him, not a whole lot about his daughter gets included in there. So that feels like a thing that was sort of added in by the reme estate almost uh, his after daughter fact.
1: Who, who has um a properly english accent as well because oh, yes. sure yes um, because everybody um, seems to and uh, she has a she has a scene with a very very racist englishman who says mm-hmm. things like natives of africa are stupid and undisciplined don't you agree and sort of reme comes over and says no i don't agree yeah and that's sort of the sum total of that scene
0: but it doesn't like and that's it and that character doesn't come back there are so many moments in this there's <laughs> the one when he keeps interrupting that press conference where there's a man who writes him a note and he reads the note and then we don't really see anything else from that. I think that's supposed to be the president of Uruguay or the Uruguayan F.A., but mm. it's just so many scenes that exist just to show, like, oh, look how good this guy was. Like, it doesn't come back to him realizing that he needs to do something to promote racial equality. Same thing with the World War II one, where we hear the story of of the death match, uh, which then became Escape to Victory, starring Michael Caine and Sylvester Stallone. We talked about mm-hmm. that last week. Um, and, and the other thing that I, I sort of, like, didn't know when watching but in in reading again so much of the history they're going with is is very conveniently not researched. So they tell the story of Hitler not shaking Jesse Owens's hand, which is true. He didn't, but it's because he refused to shake any athlete's hand. Jesse Owens, for his part, came out and criticized FDR for never acknowledging what he did publicly or sending him a telegram of congratulations. He was more offended by FDR than Hitler refused to shake his hand. And then this one, with the death match, I feel like I'm defending the Germans and that's not my intent, but that's just, it's, it's an apocryphal story that was spread by Stalinist propaganda. Yes, they played this game. Uh, it was like a bread fact Founded uh, FC Start was the Ukrainian team. They played this game. The Ukrainians won. They were playing against uh, like Nazi officers. Um, But the story of them then being assassinated or executed afterwards for failing to comply with uh, threats of intimidation and that they throw the game—not true. That didn't happen. Three of their players were arrested a year and a half later and executed. um, And they were obviously atrocities. I think half the team ends up getting arrested. But again, that happens months later and it's for their connection to a different team. And so it just feels like they wanted. To combine all these events to create this one narrative of FIFA like exists to like confront these evil actions and also defend the world by bringing us all together. And it almost becomes this thing of like, we have to have soccer, even if it's at the expense of like moral upstanding beliefs and like, uh, keeping the integrity of the sport alive, as long as it exists, that's what's important. And I just, I found that so strange because it then also leads to him praying to a cross that's against a wall. I don't, it was very strange that whole scene.
1: So this, this is the period of the movie I like to call sad Jules Ramey. Mm-hmm. Um, he sort of gets very sad because Nazis are bad, but not as bad as English, of course. Um, and he sort of sadly prays to a cross on the wall for no particular reason. Yeah. One of several scenes is, which you could ask, why is this scene in the movie? Uh-huh. No idea. I did. And then, and then we get to the 1950 uh, World Cup mm-hmm. in Rio. Which is, I have to give credit, I think the special effects, maybe 15 million of the 19 million budget went into the looking, making mm-hmm. the American look like it did in 1950. It looks very impressive. It does. But Georges Remy's very sad, Taylor. Mm-hmm. He's very sad because the script didn't go on the field because Brazil was supposed to win and Uruguay did instead. And we get these tracking shots of Ramey walking down the corridors of the American art thinking... Why did Uruguay win and not Brazil? This is sad. I wanted it to go the other way. No, you're an impartial football administrator. You shouldn't be thinking like that, Jose. No. May goodness. Well, don't me. worry. He has what his daughter
0: there to correct them all when they say Brazil will obviously win. She says no. I uh, forgive me for harping on that. It's just like you don't create a good character by having them always be right. They have to be conflicted and have their own drama that they then deal with, process, and overcome. Just saying, like, nah, I think you might be wrong. Like, that's not. That's not great. But then, yeah, him. him. acting as though his best friend has just died like i thought he had like gotten (laughs) a telegraph that like telegram like his daughter had just died standing next to him or his wife had died like he walks onto that field as though yeah he is completely shell-shocked by everything that's happened
1: but yeah and no reason for that to be there's absolutely no reason for him to be upset, and it's not explained at all. And then we get a few years later. I think it's fifty six when we. Before we
0: jump to that, may I just add that the great moment. I think this is pointed out by an article in the Irish Times that, like in this scene, that's supposed to show the gravitas of the moment and how shocked he is by what happened in 1950. He hands the the World Cup trophy to the captain uh, captain of Argentina, who's a white guy in the movie, uh, mixed race individual, and like very important for that, uh, for like for where he came from and his background, but. I think because they were so focused on the upset, they chose not to cast an actor who would have like conveyed the significance of the moment. Oh,
1: boy. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen the actual footage of the uh, Uruguay taking the trophy in 1950. Was it just handed to them casually on the field by a confused-looking man?
0: Oof, I don't know. It certainly wasn't handed to them by a 300-pound man because Jules Ramey was, uh, from everything I've seen of him, fairly skinny. That felt like a Gerard Depardieu decided, uh, I'm going to be a heavy man for this movie.
1: Well, and Tim Roth, by the way, has set blatter, very generous on the on the yeah. line and, and the hairline, yeah. I would say, as well. Yeah. We, but, uh, <laughs> All right, so, yeah, continue. We get to 56, and I think it's Rame's funeral and his daughter once again gives a speech at his Mm -hmm. funeral it's not about jules romay it's about how great the world cup
0: is of course of course it has to be because that's how we transition into uh meeting joel Havalange. we meet him on an airplane do you know how we meet him ryan do you remember how
1: oh we're talking to the evil sir stanley rouse
0: who flicks his newspaper to get his attention yes (laughs) i like i have no like, re- like uh, fine, England is great. I like the Premier League. Uh, I like Manchester United. I do not have, like, a massive affinity for the English. And I just say that to say, like, Ryan is English. You might be thinking, like, oh, he's he's taking such offense to the way the English are portrayed. They are literally evil every time there's an English yeah. person on screen. They are mean. They are racist. They are dismissive. Like, it is absurd how badly the English are portrayed in this movie.
1: It's really bad. And even even the achievements of the english are sort of really glanced over like lots of the other world cups mm-hmm. they've used sort of this nice fifa um footage of the goals going in and the celebrations and stuff when it comes to the 1966 world cup it's black and white you're watching it through the mm-hmm. window of a street with all these sort of people while uh substitute by the who plays i don't know why the who licensed this song for oh, this movie also
0: that movie. that song released in 1968 which seems nitpicky but like again <laughs> just find a, mo- a song from 1966 there had to have been a very popular song during the World Cup that people remember,
1: yeah, and it just you know that's com- any English achievement is completely glanced over there. And so Stanley Rouse, who um, who talked to on the aeroplane, uh, he served as FIFA president for 13 years. He presided over four World Cups. Barely gets a mention apart from being an evil character on an aeroplane. That's about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we, we jumped over to, to go back to the English just one more time. There's the scene. It, it's uh, 1950. It's after the USA beat England and, and the English are there. They're talking about this. And they're sort of being mocked by uh, by Jules Romay and his Italian uh, compatriot, who's the head of the Italian FA, who, lest we forget, moments before in the 1930 meeting had been vaguely defending Mussolini and fascism and like the affiliation with Nazism and Nazi Germany. And now suddenly even he is redeemed and better than the English, who were sort of like, uh, oh yeah, they, the four, like Americans only beat us because they had British subjects, that's all. Again, still dismissive. <laughs> but yes, fast forward to 1956 from there.
1: Oh boy! And then we yeah. jump from uh, oh, 66. Very, me, 66. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 66. We very, very quickly look at something good that the English did to go to 1970, and we've got Joel Havelange in the stadium where uh, in Mexico, uh, and he sort of gives a speech to the word words of the effect of if Brazil wins the trophy for the third time, Jules Rimet trophy will be ours forever. In his um, classic Brazilian accent, mm-hmm. um, so already hinting at, oh, this guy isn't quite impartial, is he?
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting.
1: I hope Seth Blatter comes along one day and puts him straight. And then we've got <laughs> yeah, we're, we're we're in the avalanche era at this point,
0: or just or just kind of like quietly mumbles and then coexists within the realm of avalanche. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that was, this is again a, another sort of nitpicky thing, but Ryan, I know you have been around executives and club presidents. They are never alone. They always are surrounded by people and have assistance and people moving it along and people coming in and, mm. and people directing them. These two gentlemen, Bladder and Havalange, are alone all the time like even the scene in 94 when they're having their champagne as havalange decides he's going to step down they then walk out to this packed balcony to overlook like the opening ceremony of the 94 world cup and it's just like that did not happen there like you two were clearly in your office having this conversation (laughs) and i don't know why that bothers me so much aside from just that like these moments did not happen. The only moment that I genuinely believe actually happened is when Havalanx referred to himself as God. I feel like that is such a specific thing to do that Setbladder threw that one in there because it was so weird and he probably thought it was awesome. And that's why so, they included it. So
1: I believe this happened in one of several scenes where Havalanx is in his sort of apartment yes. slash office looking out over the Copacabana. While Setbladder really is hustling
0: around the world, making football happen. Yes, that's
1: right. So. Sort of Uh, Tim Rothblatter shuffles in and sort of... Because he's his assistant. He's Havlan's assistant at this point. He's been poached from the IOC as well. And he's sort of shuffling around saying, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And then there's the scene where he does declare himself God, which I believe he sort of hijacks his own kid's Subutio table. Mm -hmm. He steals the ball from them while they're playing a game. Which is not a great move, and then describes how. Well, what if I dropped the ball here? Would that make me God or something like that? Wasn't it?
0: <laughs> Your Sam Neill is so good. I can't get he over. He was how definitely
1: good filming is. Peaky Blinders at this point because he only had one accent on his mind, <laughs> and I did look into it. He, I think his father was from Northern Ireland, He's from mm-hmm. Belfast, so that's why he can nail that accent and
0: not the Brazilian one. Yeah, I mean, he 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 nails it well, and it and it is this. I like. I just don't get it at this point. And like, not that this movie ever made a lot of sense, but this is where it got really confusing to me because I, like from a, an obvious narrative perspective it is new person comes in and you could spin it like, like the story with Havalange could easily be because it kind of is that he, like the like, uh, people in charge of FIFA for the longest time had been European centric even though they're trying to show Jules Ramey as being all about South America it's interesting mm-hmm. how after he leaves suddenly we're always back to Europe and it's because of the English I'm assuming when in reality I think FIFA had always been a European facing organization Havalange embraces the idea that if you get all these other organizations together you have more power That's how he comes to power. That's how he stays in power. And you could have that narrative of his rise by incorporating all these other disenfranchised organizations and federation, and he brings them together, and he grows the game, but then he becomes sort of arrogant and, like, like too much buying into his own hype, and then he becomes corrupt, and now's the downfall, and you don't ever get a downfall. You get him saying these weird, cryptic, mean, like, things, and then it just kind of moves on, and it's Setbladder fixing everything, and Setbladder working really hard, and African children drinking Coca-Cola while wearing Adidas, and look how... how... How great he was for corporate sponsorship. And there's no real downfall. There's no real like retribution for Zhao Havalange, despite the fact that there's at least a 30-minute period of this movie where they just keep referencing that he is corrupt and doing illicit things. Hey folks, Taylor jumping in. One last time to let you know about today's sponsor, the Black Tux. The Black Tux believes that finding formal wear, be it a suit or a tuxedo, should not be this massive, uh, difficult, stressful situation. It should be easy, it should be straightforward, and it should be uh, designed to make you look and feel your best. Uh, I do think that maybe United Passions could have used the Black Tux, it would have simplified the process, they could have made the English look that much more dapper, they could have always been wearing tuxedos to show just how aristocratic and aloof they truly were. But you don't have to be aristocratic and aloof to wear a tuxedo, you could just be going to an event, you could just be... ...trying to look formal at home, same goes for a suit. Uh, And the Black Tux has you covered there as well. All you have to do is utilize their easy online ordering process. Just pick a style at theblacktux.com. Request a free home try-on so you can feel the fit and quality before you commit. Uh, If it doesn't fit right, if you don't quite like it, you can change it up. You can make sure everything is perfect before you get your final product, uh, be it a purchase or a rental. Uh, If you want your wedding or event to be remembered for the right reasons, order your suit or tuxedo at theblacktux.com... And enjoy ten percent off with the code Soccer. That's blacktux.com, code SOCCER, for ten percent off your purchase. The Black Tux, form aware for the moment, even if that moment is being an aloof even if that moment is being an aloof aristocratic Englishman, or just a person who's sitting at home wanting to wear a tux. <laughs>
1: Oh gosh, the, 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 the Havalanche Blatter thing is 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 intriguing in this movie. The relationship because you're not sure what to make of it. Just before no. he tells his kids he's God, I think um, avalanche <laughs> hints that he doesn't want the World Cup in '78 in Argentina, or he mm. does want it there, and Blatter no. didn't, and Blatter yeah. sort of made out to be a hero there because there's political dissent in Argentina at the time. Except and the, and the most that, amazing that, thing. That feels, it feels like a horrible rewriting of history. That,
0: <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm sorry to step on that rhyme, but like again, I think that Irish Times article made this clear that they're not even Bladder's objection is not even to like the military junta and the harsh uh, like treatment of the people of Argentina. And Havelange, sort of in that moment, is saying like, now we got to bribe, like we got to fix the World Cup so they win because they need to win. But Bladder's <laughs> objection is the sponsors are concerned. Like, yeah. it's not even I have a moral like uh, issue with this, like these this organization running the world cup and being in charge of it and like us covering uh what is it sports washing or whatever uh instead it's just like well coke's gonna get mad that that is where set blatter's conflict lies
1: and therein lies sort of the crux of the final third yeah. of the movie set blatter mm-hmm. making sponsors happy but mm-hmm. before we get there it's there's a lovely line where Havilland says to blatter and i directly quote it is a great honor for you to be his number two that's what you're referring to this is a great yep. honor for you congratulations yeah. to you
0: so then, and, and then, I mean, it, it is, but or is it, Ryan? Because actually, he's the one who now has to face the media when when the Germans are barbaric and uh, are unsporting in 1990. Uh, mm. And, and Jao Havalange just walks off and leaves Set Bladder to do a really, really bad and unemotional and unaffected job of answering questions and sort of calming the angry press. And again, that was just another moment where I was like, are we supposed to think that he's doing a good job and Havalange is not? because to me that looks like Havalange delegated and set Blatter was overwhelmed. That's what I'm taking away from this.
1: Yeah, there was, there was some interesting stance going on here, but the, the, the story they were building here is that Havalange didn't look after the sponsorship, didn't look after the money side of FIFA, which has, already, has always been in doubt, even back to there when the, they suffered from the stock crash in like the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And we have a moment where Blatter admits that he paid a FIFA debt of 200,000 Swiss francs with a personal check mm-hmm. of his own. Yeah, and that t- that comes just before we get to the montage, montage, uh-huh. which is uh, my highlight of the movie, where we sort of skip from I think it's about 1982 to 1990. No, no interesting mm-hmm. story to tell here. It's nah. just a montage of uh, lots of soccer goals going in from their from their footage, and then one scene of Blatter, Tim Roth staring at the coffin of Horst Dassler, who is oh. the son of Adidas. When you Adidas, say a scene, do you mean a
0: two second clip?
1: A two-second clip, and yeah. just a look, him looking at a, a coffin of a man who is not explained who he is. I had to look yeah. up that he was Adidas' son. Uh-huh. Just completely unexplained in there. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, now I'm getting the sense that Adidas are really important to the history of this game.
0: When Havelange wow. is elected president, I forget what year that happens, but he afterwards, it's again, shoehorned in, uh, uh, Horst Dassler is there and comes down and shakes his hand. Mm. And Havalanj just says like, Dassler? And then he walks away. And I was like, OK, so I guess they just <laughs> wanted us to show that he knew Adi Dassler. That's who I thought it was. And I was like, man, he looks good for for when it is. And then I realized, <laughs> yeah, afterwards, I Googled it today. It's his son. You're correct. And that was yeah. just yeah. Some, some strange. They did use a lot of showing you the name on the casket to tell you who was dead. That was a nice yeah. little touch that they, they went with.
1: There was yeah a lot of showing you things very on the nose, very obviously mm-hmm. both visually and in the screenplay here. So then t- Taylor, we get to the final third of the movie. Finally, we're all we're looking at our watches. We've pulled this movie ten times to go do something else at this point. But we're in, mm-hmm. we're in the bladder territory.
0: Oh, I paused uh, about 15 minutes in to go pour a very tall glass of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> My wife was watching me I was like, I, I, I need to drink. <laughs> this is the only oh, way I'm going to get through this.
1: Very good, very good. Yeah. So then we get to the the crux of the story, which is Blatter saving FIFA by dealing with sponsors, and we get to this crucial scene in Switzerland, in a parking lot in Switzerland. Where
0: oh <laughs> Blatter meets
1: an Adidas executive who mm-hmm. opens the trunk of his car to show him um, boots. That, and... No, that's
0: that's Horst Dassler. That's Dassler again.
1: That's Dassler. Oh, so this came before the montage. Okay, I'm getting confused yes. here. Mm-hmm. But there's this scene. So this must be when he was still number two. But he, this mm-hmm. is scene where. Yeah, it, it happens like it's a really shady deal in a parking lot in Switzerland. We know because yeah. there's a Swiss fair, a flag in the background, and it looks like someone's milking a cow or something.
0: It looks like um, he has a bunch of um, like bootleg Adidas gear in the trunk of his car that he is trying. Yeah. Like that's literally, he opens his trunk and has a bunch of Adidas gear, and he's like, ah, yeah. and it's like this is how you did the sponsorship yeah and he's like
1: how how much will it take to kid out the argentinians? He's like ten thousand pieces okay and it's it's completely bizarre, and then they get to the scene where they make the added they show they show off the added ass tango ball mm-hmm. and they do this like it's some completely revolutionary thing that happened in soccer. Yes, the added ass tango ball is an icon, but they build it up like this ball is a character. Like it's something that's revealed and completely changed the direction from there on, and we get the horse dancer sort of. He unveils this plaque that shows a picture of the ball. He didn't bring the
0: ball, just a picture of it. Yeah. To show. To show well, obviously. Ball. And it's like you, you wow. want the actual ball? Get out of here, Ryan. That costs money. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, which may well have been the case. Would you, like Honestly, with this movie, um, I know they had a budget, but it sounds like most of it was spent on uh, lavish hotels and uh, like first-class accommodations for all the FIFA executives as they watched the filming happen. But here, yeah. like, would you be surprised? I'm not saying this actually happened, but would you be surprised if you learned that like they couldn't get a recreation of that ball? Uh, Adidas wouldn't give them one or whatever, and it was too expensive, so they just printed off that poster. And we're like, just have him show him a picture of the ball. That'll be fine.
1: I think it could have been a, it's lunch in half an hour, let's just get this done situation. <laughs> That's quite possible. That's quite possible. Yeah. But then, then comes sort of the, the, the rise of Blatter as he is, mm-hmm. he is appointed um, president. Apparently not many people want him to be president and he barely survives a re-election bid as well towards the end of the film. Oh, my There's God. this whole sense that um, that Blatter's battling the corruption that he's inherited. Yeah. He's battling this betrayal that he's inherited, but he absolutely won't defend himself. Mm-mm. uh, There's a scene where uh, I think his secretary or someone else says, the Federation is dragging you through the mud. And his immediate response is, I grew up in a farm. I have no fear of mud.
0: There's your introduction. That was Ryan's intro to the show right there. (laughs) A man who has no fear of mud. And there's there's two (laughs) things I have to say about this for a moment. The first one, yeah, to your point about him not defending himself, the way the movie is absolutely framing this is as though he has inherited this corrupt organization with cronyism rampant and all of these people want to kick him out because he is trying to reform. Yeah. And it is fascinating to see that narrative attempt to be spun, knowing that in actuality there's a decent chance that it was the other way around and those people were trying to get him out because he was so corrupt and was Havelange's number two and was his handpicked successor. And to see it spun as like, these people are all against me because I'm trying to modernize and like get rid of the money in the game. It's just like, well, we know that's not true. But the second thing, to your point about him narrowly escaping this vote of like no confidence or whatever, he survived, do you remember the lead-up to that vote? The scene just before the vote happens? <laughs> Go on. It's Havalange and uh It's Havalange and Bladder on a boat, on boat in Switzerland, boat. again by themselves. These men are never alone. These ha- this happened in their offices. I say that just to say, corruption is like systemic and organized. It was not this nefarious CIA spies meeting in the parking lot. But Havalange says to him, like, How many votes do you need? Bladder says, I don't know, because of course he's not counting votes. That's below him. But like Havalange is like, I do, I know everything, because that's his character. And he says, like, here's how you get them. And it essentially says you have to bribe and blackmail them. Like, he doesn't say bribe and blackmail. He says, like, you have to play to their interests and manipulate them. And... The way this scene is 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 like sort of structured is that it is as though a Mafia Don in a movie, like a Mafia movie, the Don has been indicted, there's a witness who's going to testify against him, he goes to the old Don and the old Don says, you have to murder the witness, that's the only way you get off, but because the movie wants to show the Mafia Don as being heroic... We go from that to the judge with, like, swelling music just saying, the witness is dead, case dismissed. And it's like, <laughs> wait, what? Like, that's the narrative of this movie? That's the end of yeah. this movie is you have to bribe them and blackmail them. Set Blatter just kind of sits there quietly, and then we cut to him walking out and the person announcing, he's been reelected. It's just like, Oh. So you guys are just saying corruption happens now. Got it. Awesome. I, cool. I think what, what Blatter wanted
1: here, what he wanted, when people are sitting in the cinema, when one person has paid $9 in Phoenix to watch this in the cinema, he wants that person to leave thinking, wait a second, I've been told by the media that Seth Blatter's very corrupt and he might go to prison. Oh, the actual reason is that he wasn't corrupt, but he just wouldn't defend himself against corruption. He's so he's such a bastion of truth and honesty that he wouldn't even rise to defend himself against the mud being slung at him because he grew up on a farm. That's why.
0: Got it. Oh yeah. Oh, by the way, he didn't grow up on a farm. Also a lie. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. It doesn't matter. It's it's all. I just love whenever history movies add in that disclaimer in the front of. Like, uh, uh, some of this has been made up. It's like, well, we can just assume most of it if it's FIFA and this movie. And that does seem to have been the case. And I think reviews uh, from other people aside from ourselves sort of back up that this is less so a work of, like, historical accuracy and more so just kind of pure FIFA propaganda.
1: Very much so. Very much so. It's uh, And it, it and it ends with that that swelling triumph mm-hmm. of him being elect- re-elected in 2002 when he narrowly escapes. Um, that's supposed to be something we're happy to see mm-hmm. i think uh, and then the, the final scenes are the an- announcement of south africa being the, uh, given the hosting duties for 2010 which i believe would have taken place in 2006 and we have an older joe haviland sort of sitting in the front row giving him the thumbs up you mm-hmm. did it baby well done and they kind of yeah. recreated the scene where they even had um tim ross sort of ex- uh, use the same mannerisms and oh you're finding this out at the same time as me when he opens yep. the envelope and they cut it in with the actual scenes and oh, mm-hmm. it was a bit it was a bit heavy handed vuzela's
0: in there just to make sure everything was pure yes. garbage <laughs> Yeah and that is the, there is that running narrative throughout of um Jial Havalange wants to embrace uh smaller FAs and like the continents that haven't really been embraced and the big thing with Jal Havalange the way he gets elected in the first place according to this movie is by striking a bargain with uh the African like uh like the head of the African FA which doesn't exist but there's one person who seems to speak for all of Africa that would that would be Musa Sugu uh I looked him up because I was like okay that must be some influential figure who like helped have And he was like this organizer. I think of him as um, Jimmy Hoffa. Like he's like a Jimmy Hoffa organizer who made stuff happen. Nope. Fictional character didn't exist. (laughs) Just a person they (laughs) needed to stand in to show. Look, an African is being spoken to. Uh, And then that I think that is also why we keep seeing set bladder in Angola dealing with people asking, like, when are you going to help Africa when it comes to football? Well, Joe Shows up and then disappears. I don't really know what happened there, but we just keep seeing Seth Blatter involved in Africa and what's going on in Africa. And I think it's meant to sort of show. And look, eventually South Africa gets the 2010 World Cup. It's all because Blatter kept his promises and worked so hard. Even though that's really not the way it was set up in the very beginning of Joe Haviland needing Africa to get elected
1: yeah, and that, that point of making up executive uh, sort of amalgamating characters together because that character didn't exist, is it because say if they put in Jack Warner or Tokyo Sex mm-hmm. Whale, great name. Yep. W- w- it, they, they would have had problems maybe having those characters in there?
0: Oh, yeah. That is that is 100% what it is, is they know <laughs> they can't include these problematic characters. <laughs> I mean, yeah, at the, don't forget that like Jack Warner was the head of CONCACAF. They absolutely had many, many interactions, a lot of dealings between them. He is very much left out because I feel like that was one that they knew the writing on the wall. We know what's coming. Let's make sure Jack Warner is not involved in this to the extent possible. Oh,
1: boy. So, one of my big problems is with this film, Tay is that, you know, most films, even if they're documentaries, will have a narrative. They usually mm-hmm. have a 3 parts, a rise and a fall, a redemption of some sort at the yeah. end, right? So mm-hmm. Some kind of character goes through a situation, comes out of it better. We don't really get that with this. It just ends. It just ends. It feels mm-hmm. like it's. Is it halfway through the story? We're not sure. There's no narrative at all. Oh, wow, I can't believe that they gave the World Cup to South Africa in 2010. I mean, sure, that's an achievement, but why is it the end of this story?
0: Yeah, if, yeah, it feels like like they didn't go to like, like the writing seminars you have to take when you're a freshman in college to learn how <laughs> to structure an argument, and they're just sort of like, oh, I've met my page. Like, it's like the script had to be 100 pages, and they got to they were on 99, and they're like, I just added something about him giving South Africa the World Cup. We're at 100 pages? We are done and out of here, baby. Cut that chick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's all get on a boat and talk to Gael Woo!
0: Uh, oh, my goodness.
1: So, uh, I mean, but your, at least, when, like,
0: Ryan, do you feel like you learned how to be a sports executive? I feel like that, oh. that was at least slightly useful, huh?
1: If, if I wanted to learn how to sit in a suit and say, I'm drunk, can I be the treasurer of FIFA? <laughs> then I'd know all about that now. I know exactly how the inner workings of this organization work. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. So I'll ask you, Taylor, when, when, the, when the credits started rolling, what was mm-hmm. your mood like?
0: Um, elated that it was over. I'm not kidding. I, I was like I, I I was making myself sick through it multiple times. I was like, I I kinda know where this is going. I don't need to I don't need to finish this. I made myself watch it. As soon as I saw the Vuvuzelas and the people celebrating, I, I was like, I hate the Vuvuzelas and I hate that they're trying to spin this as like, look what we have done for Africa and I, I had to turn it off there. So yeah. I think my feeling was I'm really happy, now I'm gonna go pour myself another drink.
1: Yeah, and I'm really happy that the girl who was playing soccer at the start wasn't a oh, yes. goal anymore and then scored a goal against all the boys. And yeah. uh, that means something. Uh, oh, so, I but, forgot about uh, that. By the way, uh, ladies and gents, this movie is on Amazon Prime. If you have a subscription, you can watch it for free. I wouldn't suggest you pay for it in any way. Mm-mm. But it's got three and a half stars. The rating—it's got three and a half stars. I think a lot of these are comedy. Someone gave yeah. it a five-star rating, and the the, the, uh, the rating says, "I learned a lot about how to conduct business meetings." That's the I mean, rating.
0: I mean, I mean, it's if you want to conduct bad business meetings where you end up having to bribe people to get stuff done. Yeah, I guess we learned that, and we learned how to have stilted dialogue and be very cold and like disaffected. Maybe that's how you have to be an executive. I suppose that makes sense.
1: Is uh, business meetings only take place when you're drunk in a boardroom, uh, uh-huh. in a parking lot with some merchandise in the back of the in the trunk Obviously. of the car,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or on a boat in the middle of a river? In an yeah, I lake. think yeah. I
0: think that's the first lesson you learn at Harvard Business School. I'm pretty sure is the three <laughs> locations where business meetings take place, and those are the three. So well done, Ryan. You you've really given people an education. They don't now Woo! have to go to Harvard. Well done.
1: Thank you very much. So this film wasn't well-received as we've Mm -mm. established. Uh, The Guardian called it FIFA propaganda, which is pure cinematic excrement. I've got a selection of Rotten Tomatoes reviews here. Mm, One of those rare films so unfathomably ghastly you could write a better one while sitting through its interminable 110 minutes. Yeah, that's about right. Uh-huh. Uh, one of the most unwatchable films in recent memory. A dishonest bit of corporate sweet sanitizing that's not even good for laughs. United Passions is another one. Is unintentionally the funniest movie of 2015. This is a review I have beef with because I was sitting down thinking, I hope this is one that's so bad that it's funny and you ha- you can rewatch it because nope. it's so hilariously bad. It wasn't even funny. It's just It boring. was just bad,
0: bad. Yeah. It's, it, it is if you want to yell... Uh, F off at your TV multiple times. I genuinely did that too. Uh, then this is the movie for you. If you want to get really angry at a movie, not even angry, if you just want to be like, oh, shut up. Like That is that is the movie. Uh, that was what the movie was for me.
1: So do we have any positives? I can think of two positives that I got from this movie. I thought the special effects at American R in 1950 were good. I enjoyed that bit. And the other big positive is I'm not watching it right now and my life is continuing.
0: Yeah, that that is a very big positive for me. Uh, I am amazed that there's a movie worse than 14, 1492, which paints uh, Christopher Columbus, uh, acted by Gerard Depardieu, paints him as, uh, once again, this tortured figure who was just trying to bring peace and religion to the people of the New World, and it was his crew that were dastardly and like murdered everybody. Uh, <laughs> that, I thought, was really going to be the low point for Gerard Depardieu. This seems to have really moved him even one notch lower, so i guess there's that
1: and he's had work since as well tim roth has had loads of work as well by the way this this did not kill tim roth's career he's been in like three tarantino movies ever since He was in hollywood i didn't even remember that bit but like yeah he's still getting work the director's not worked since but other people in this it did not kill their careers which is quite shocking
0: yeah the director had had a quote which i'm paraphrasing because i don't have it written in front of me but he basically is like like, I am the man who introduced AIDS to Africa, or I am less popular than the man who introduced AIDS to Africa, which is, I think, fundamentally misunderstands what happened there. But also, an, an interesting way to uh, say people don't really like my movie very much. That's a strong, That's strong. way to paint that one.
1: That's very but, strong.
0: But I, I wanted to ask you this, Ryan, because I feel I feel like we have not really talked about this one, and I have talked at length. So I would love to hear your thoughts. And, and it's just generally a very simple question. Why does this movie exist? Why did this happen? Like, aside from being a vanity project, like, what do you think the thought process is that somebody was like, yep, we need that movie?
1: I genuinely think this was a set blatter vehicle. Set blatter, knowing that maybe the storm was coming, and it did come very soon after the release of this movie, wanted something to show himself as the innocent guy who was only trying to make things better, who wouldn't react to... Accusations of fraud and of uh, of mis uh, misappropriations, not because he was guilty, but because he just didn't want to rise to it, and he was born on a farm. I think that's genuinely why this exists. Yeah, and we've seen. So, by the way, as I, I will say, as a palate cleanser after this movie, I immediately watched one of the official FIFA World Cup movies, which are also on Prime. I think going back to eighty two or seventy eight, I watched the twenty eighteen one. That is a good use of FIFA money. It's this beautifully shot thing, which sort—it's of, narrated by Damien Lewis, uh, and it's really, really well done. That is Wait, a good wait, use wait hold on, say,
0: say more about that. What is it like the goals? Is it him just like telling the story of the tournament? What, what is it it's exactly? It's a story of
1: the tournament. It's literally a story of the tournament, all shot in this high-res high ISO footage that looks really beautiful and sort of tells the narrative from, from the group stages right through to the final. And FIFA have made these official movies for like all the World Cups. I think it's back to 82 or 78. I'll have to check. But there's a whole load of them that have just been put on Amazon Prime. And they are really good. They are FIFA sanctioned. That is money well spent. This is not. There's basically two two, two marketing things they've done here. One is very good and one is very misguided.
0: Yeah, Uh, and I I think uh, this one, Ryan, I don't know about you, but I'm going to say this is the misguided one? Yes, on balance. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Did you have anything else you wanted to yell or rant about? That's sort of been my domain uh, on this episode, so I wanted to make sure you got your time in to talk about anything else that might have frustrated you.
1: Uh, I'll just say that English people, you know, there are some bad ones, but we're not all that bad, I promise you. I promise uh, you guys.
0: All of them. All of them evil in this movie. Who evil are these and blasted wrong and frogs? Racist.
1: What do they want with us in our game, I tell you what what?
0: It is it is shocking to me that they are genuinely depicted to be worse than than at least Italian fascists, maybe the Nazis.
1: Yeah. Yep, that's a bold stance, baby. FIFA.
0: That's a bold stance. All right. Well, Ryan Bailey, uh, this was not a game that we broke down, but I think it was maybe more fun, and I got slightly more animated than I do with uh, some of our weekend review uh, episodes. <laughs> but before we before we end up, I did just want to ask how, how has it been going for you? How is life down in North Carolina? Uh, I'm assuming uh, it is mildly stressful to somewhat stressful, and also you're homeschooling two kids right now.
1: That's correct I've got two kids who are four and seven we are homeschooling at the moment so trying both my wife and I to fit in our day jobs and homeschool and not go insane and maybe have some free time for about 10 minutes in the evening is very very tricky but we're getting mm-hmm. through it the new normal is here tete we're getting used to it I'm, uh, I've got a big long list of oh I could do some gardening or I could do some renovations in the house none of that's going to happen won't have time but hey <laughs> how about um- you?
0: your Your kids may be too young for this one, but uh but my best friend's dad growing up, we would always like try to get him to play hide and seek with us because we wanted to hide we needed someone to find us. There was only two of us, so we would get him to do it. He never really wanted to, but when we convinced him to, he would basically, like, stomp around the house for 30 seconds and then just do whatever else he was doing. And then inevitably we would get tired of hiding and go fight him. he'd be like, oh, you guys were so good. I couldn't find you. I just had to give up. And it was very clear that he just gave up immediately and let us just sit there for, like, 30 minutes. But if you do need some (laughs) peace, maybe that's a way to go
1: that's a good ploy. we do play a lot of hide and seek already i like that one the lazy approach very good
0: (laughs) all right right well uh we will be back next week to talk about uh something else you had a suggestion that i cannot remember
1: we'll get there we'll get there we need to recover from this by the way before we go just one further question would Mm. you recommend that people watch this
0: uh no i would not uh (laughs) it, it is it is in moments so absurdly bad that it is like almost funny. There's the scene, uh, in the 1930 World Cup when you see the stadium for the first time and Jules Ramey, and I forget the, the Uruguayan FA's, uh, like head's name, but they're there. And it's just so clearly in front of a green screen, screen and they mm. don't know what they're reacting to. That again, they're doing this sort of video game, like, look at all this, like weird robot gestures vaguely towards like an empty stand. Like, and, and it, it, like, there are those moments that are just like, that was one that made me laugh out loud of like, oh my God, they don't know what they're acting against. They're just trying to portray something. Those were very few and far between. Mostly it's just really, really boring.
1: So we've done everyone a favour by watching this and going through it. You're all welcome.
0: Yeah, and we've done it in half the length of time, so I think that's also a positive.
1: (laughs) Excellent, excellent stuff. Let's all go lie down.
0: All right, let's all go lie down and maybe have another drink. It's past noon, so we can have another drink. All right, Ryan Bailey, well, thank you very much for taking all the time to talk to me about United Passions, the FIFA story, slash the thing that gave me a headache.
1: Thank you, Taylor. Always a pleasure, except for watching United Passions. Never (laughs) a chore, except for watching United Passions.